I had intended today to conclude our series on the parables from Matthew chapter 13. But in light of the tragedy of the past week, I thought it better that I deal with that subject instead. Certainly we at First Baptist Church extend our prayers and sympathies to the families and the friends of those students who were lost. The question in our minds at times such as this are, how do we face such tragedies? How do we deal with them? And I believe that we begin by remembering that God is good. In fact, it was interesting to me early this morning during my time of devotion, I had come to Psalm 107 and reading in verse number 1 where the psalmist declared, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And the tragedies of life do not diminish the fact that God is a good God. And the Bible declares that God takes no pleasure in the suffering of His children. And though that is true, sometimes it is difficult for us to understand and deal with because God's ways are mysterious ways to us. We don't always understand them. And Paul said that in Romans 11:33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. So even during our time of confusion, during those times of that we do not understand, we can trust in God because He is good. Someone has said that when you can't see His hand, trust His heart. So today I want to speak to you on the subject when bad things happen. Take your Bibles, please. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse number 22. Now it came about on one of those days that he and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended upon the lake. And they began to be swamped and to be in danger. And they came to him and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Today I want us to begin by reflecting on the lessons that we learn from times of difficulties, the lessons that we learn during the times of storms. And the first, I think, would be that we cannot prevent the storms. Now, we know that is true with literal storms. When hurricanes come, we track them on television, but we cannot determine their path. We can't prevent them. It seems to me when medical science is able to find a cure for one disease, there is another that is lurking. And we cannot eliminate all accidents in life, and certainly we do not do away with death. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. So we cannot prevent the storms. And there are no exceptions. I know we would like to think that we are an exception somehow. That somehow I am exempt from the storms of life. And I know that there are Christians who would tell us that if we are close to the Lord... And if we are living a life of godliness and faith, then we are somehow exempt from the tragedies of life. 
As a matter of fact, that is much of what the book of Job is all about. You know the story of Job, how he lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his possessions. He lost his health. He lost everything. And then his three friends came to comfort him. One of them was Eliphaz, and he declared this belief. And so in Job 4, 7, and 8, he said, Remember now, whoever perished being innocent? Or where were the upright destroyed? According to what I have seen, those who plow iniquity and those who sow trouble harvest it. In other words, the comforter of Job said, Job, if you were right with God, and if you were walking with God, then you would not have experienced this tragedy in life. We all experience the heartache of tragedy. That's the truth. We all have tragedies to deal with in life. In verse number 22, it came about on one of those days that he and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And, and they launched out. What I want you to notice here with the disciples is that they were in God's will. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And they got in the boat with him. They were in the boat with Jesus, but they still experienced the storm. Paul spent most of his ministry in a prison cell. I simply say that to you to say that we are not exempt from the storms of life. As a matter of fact, within our own family, within our own congregation, some of our most godly people are struggling with disease. They are struggling with difficulty. We are not exempt. It comes to us all. You can't prevent them. There are no exceptions. And when they come, they leave indelible marks on our lives. Linda and I went home last week back to the Wichita Falls area in Texas back in 1960-something. There was a tornado that came into that town and destroyed much of it. That was in the 1960s, but some of those marks are still visible even today. We moved to South Carolina in 1986 and 1989. Hurricane Hugo came. And in the coastal area, there are still some marks, there are still some scars from that storm. We see on a regular basis the scars that remain from Katrina that hit the coast. And so I say to you that when the storms come, they leave an indelible scar or mark on us. I, I doubt seriously that the disciples ever got over this experience. They never forgot that they were in the boat with Jesus, that a storm came, even though Jesus was in the boat. I, I think that that marked their life. It was something that they never forgot. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the burning, fiery furnace because of their stand of faith. And, and I don't think that they ever forgot that. I don't think that they ever got over that experience, that their life was marked by that event. And surely Daniel, when he was in the lion's den and spent the night with the lions, I, I doubt that he ever got over that. And, and let me say especially to the young people who are present and who are struggling with this issue, uh, this is going to be a mark that will remain on your life. It's one of those things that shape us. Those difficulties in life, those storms in life, they leave marks on us and we never get over them. I'm not saying that it's a good thing to do so. It's just that they leave a mark on our life.
Something else about the storms that I would observe is they have a way of drawing out, of, of revealing what is really inside us, do they not? I'm always astounded when there is a storm that comes or some tragedy that occurs, and then the looting and the price gouging that follows in the wake, and I think, how in heaven's name can one do that? When people are already suffering, when people are trying to deal with the storm of life, and people take advantage of them. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, what is inside us has a way of coming out during times of tragedy. That is not only true with those who are selfish and evil, it is also true with those who are good and benevolent. I'm also astounded and amazed at the generosity of people during times of storms. How millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars have been given during times of disaster and difficulty to relieve some of the suffering. And during this past week, as our community has come together to pray and to encourage and to lift up each other, you see, storms have a way of bringing out, revealing what is in us. And if something other than God is in us, it reveals that oftentimes. But when God is there and love is there and sweetness is there, it reveals that as well. Storms raise questions, no question about that. A man has a question when tragedy comes, and normally our, our question concerns a God and the concern of God. Does God care? In fact, if you look at verse number 23, but as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended upon the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. And they came and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. In another account, what they said was, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? When tragedies come, oftentimes the question that is in our mind is a question about God's concern. Does He care? Does He care? When Lazarus was ill, his sisters Mary and Martha sent for Jesus, and Jesus delayed His coming. When He actually got there, Lazarus had died. And so Martha said to Jesus, Had you been here? He would not have died. Jesus, why did you delay? Why didn't you come? Is it because you don't care? And see, we ask the same questions. The truth is we ask that same question. When tragedies occur in life and there is suffering, we ask the question, God, do, do you not care? I remember years ago hearing John Bassanio preach, and John told the story about a man whose son was tragically killed. And he was talking to his pastor and asked the question, he said, where was God when my son died? And the pastor said he was in the same place he was when his son died. We have questions about the concern of God, but God has a question as well in verse number 25. And he said to them, where's your faith? Folks, the fact is it's easy to trust God during times of prosperity. It's easy to trust God when everything is going the way we want it to go. It easy, it's easy to trust God when things are favorable, but it is expected that we trust God even in bad times if we know God. Stephen Curtis Chapman sings a song, God is God and I am not. 
I can only see a part of the picture he's painting. God is God and I am man, so I'll never understand it all, for only God is God. You see, here's the thing, and this is the challenge for us, it's so difficult, is when times are bad, when tragedies occur, we are to trust God. I look at the story of Job, and I've read that so many times as some of you have. And Job suffered so much. He he suffered the loss of so much. And yet Job was able to say in Job 121, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He trusted God even in the face of losing everything. I mentioned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What a wonderful story of three young men committed to God. Nebuchadnezzar had erected an idol and said that everyone was to bow down to this idol. They refused to do so. When word came to Nebuchadnezzar that they had not bowed down, he summoned them before him. And when they came, he said, It is my understanding that you have not bowed down to worship the idol that I have erected. He said, I'm going to give you another chance. And and he said, and when the instruments play, then I want you to bow down. And if you do not, then I'm going to put you in the furnace. And in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, they replied, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Trusting God during difficult times. And folks, that's a challenge to us. It's easy to trust the Lord when things are good and life is good, but it is expected that we trust in God even when it is not. We can't prevent the storms. They leave indelible marks on us. They affect our lives. They expose what is inside us, and they raise questions. But storms remind us of what it means to trust God. Here's the principle. We are to look beyond the storms and see God. Our tendency is that we focus on the storm. We focus on the fire. We focus on the death. We focus on the disease. Our tendency is that we focus in this area, but the principle is that we are to look beyond that we might see God and His love. And He does love you and His purpose for your life. God has a purpose. If you are a believer, do you know what God's purpose for you is? Do you know what God's purpose for you is? That you might become like Jesus. That's his purpose. In fact, we quote Romans 8, 28 oftentimes. I'm going to read Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Now, he does not say that everything that happens to us is good, but that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. Within the context of those two verses, the Bible says that God is able to use all things in our lives for good. 
for the purpose of conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. So what God wants to happen to you and me is regardless as to what our circumstances might be, that we become increasing like, like Jesus. Now, the prior, that's a priority, and the reason for it is because this life is temporary. No matter how long we live, it's temporary. In fact, James says, what is your life? It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It's like the morning fog. It comes and the sun comes out and it is gone. He says that our life is temporary. But after we leave this life, then there is eternity, and we spend eternity somewhere. Tragedies were never meant to defeat us, so how do we recover from them? I guess that's probably the answer we have, is how do we deal with them? How do we recover from them? Well, we understand we have a destination. I look in verse 22, and it says, Now it came about on one of those days that he and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. Now, that was their destiny. Get in the boat, we're going to the other side of the lake. That's what Jesus said. He had a destination for them, and the Lord has a destination for us as well, for those who know him. But, folks, God having a destination for you does not mean that it is free of interruption. God's destination is not necessarily free of interruption. Look at verse number 23. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended upon the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. Now, they were in God's will in the boat with Jesus, going to the other side that he said, but their journey was interrupted. It was also true with David. Samuel came to David and anointed him to be the king of Israel. It was a surprise to everyone. But he anointed him saying, you're going to be the king of Israel. He anointed him as king. Now, David did not immediately become king. Instead, he went back to take care of sheep, and he continued as a shepherd boy. And Saul tried to kill him. So he had a destination. He said, you're going to be the king of Israel. But that destination was not immediate. It was interrupted. I look at the nation of Israel, and God said to Israel, you are going to the promised land. But they did not immediately enter into the promised land. Instead, they went through the wilderness before coming to the promised land. And young people, especially, your journey's been interrupted. I understand that. Your journey's been interrupted. You have been on a path, on a journey, and now it is interrupted. But an interruption does not prevent our arrival. We have a destination, there's an interruption, then we arrive. Look at verse number 26. And they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. They did come to the other side. That's what Jesus had said. We're going to the other side. There was a storm between this side and that side, but they came to the other side. David became king of Israel. Didn't happen immediately. But he still became the king of Israel. The Hebrews went into the promised land. They went through the wilderness. It was a time of testing. But they still came to the promised land. And I say to you that you are to keep your faith in God and you will come to the other side. You will come to the other side. Now let me conclude this. Storms come. We can't prevent them. 
There will be other storms. There will be other tragedies. There will be other difficulties in your life. None of us is exempt. The storms come. We can determine our response to them. And we can determine that uh, we are going to respond with faith in God. God, I don't understand this. Lord, I don't understand why this has happened, but I believe that you are good, and I trust you because you're good. We can respond in faith. Storms come. We're all in the same boat. We all feel the sense of loss. We all suffer the pain. We comfort each other. But folks, we're all in the same boat. No one is exempt. No matter who you are, how you live, no one is exempt. We're all in the same boat. But Jesus is in the boat with us if you know him. It might seem like he's asleep, and we might be fearful, and we might go down and shake him and say, Jesus, do you not care that I perish? But he's in the boat with us, and he will bring us to the other side. It was in 1873 that a ship left the harbor of New York. Mrs. H.G. Spafford was on board that ship with her four children. They sailed for several days, and then the ship was rammed by an English iron sailing vessel. Within two hours, that ship went down with its passengers. 226 people perished. Those who survived were picked up. Nine days later, they landed at Wales. Four of those who perished were the Spafford children. One who survived was Mrs. Spafford. She cabled her husband, who had remained in the United States because he had conflicts and couldn't go. So when she arrived in Wales, she cabled him with two words. Saved alone. He booked a ship to go and be with her in Europe. As he was traveling on the ship, he had gone to his cabin, was in bed one night when a knock came at his door. The captain awakened him and said, I believe we are now passing over the place where your children were lost. He got up and went to the side of the ship and looked out over the dark water. And he thought about the loss of his children. Then he returned to his room, but he couldn't sleep that night. And he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I'm going to ask that we stand and sing that hymn together.
gracious Father and God, we thank you so much that even in the face of tragedy, even in the times of confusion, when we don't fully understand, that we can trust you and declare it is well, it is well with my soul. Lord, I pray today especially for those who have never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ that today they might be saved, that they would trust you. Lord, I pray for others who need to make commitments, that they would do so in Christ's name I ask. Amen.